welcome, welcome. You don't, you don't know how exciting it is to see people in here and be able to talk to you. Um, we really are thrilled that, that you're here. And uh, we hope that uh, all summer you'll be able to stay. And I, and I don't say that joking around. I, I really, you know, we're in a weird time. And you need to know that the whole time you're here. We're in a really strange time in our history. Um, let me pray. I'll talk to you about it. Father, again, thank you that we could meet. Thank you that uh, we are open. Thank you for the sunshine today, the rain last night. We ask you to uh, continue uh, to allow us to be a place that shows the world who you are somehow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I, I do want to talk to you about putting life in context a little bit, because without context, you have nothing. And you live in the age of information where you would think context is pretty easy, but it's not. In fact, it's very difficult to get. Because the way that information is conveyed, people are usually having an agenda with the information, which means certain parts are not put in there or left out or too much of something is in there. It's really hard to actually understand the context of things that are going on. Uh, historically, um, these ideas of pandemics isn't new. You know, look in the Bible, there's this thing called leprosy. And uh, it was pretty catchy. In fact, so much so that when you had it, you had to go away from people and tell them you had it out of respect for them, out of not wanting them to catch it because there was no cure for it. And if you got it, most likely it was a death sentence and a bad one. So you can look back and you can see, okay, that was kind of a pandemic. It happened. People died. People were afraid of it. And uh, even if you look in the Bible, the different stories that talk about it, when Jesus healed it, it was a big deal. Uh, you go through um, our lives, and you've seen other diseases. In my, my life, when I was a kid, it was polio. And I, we were just coming out of the polio stuff. My dad, my brother, if you know my brother, his middle name is Paul, and my dad's best friend was Paul. He died of polio. Um, if you got polio back then, it, it, was, it either left you deformed, where you had to use crutches and that kind of thing, or died. It wasn't really pleasant at all. Uh, we didn't have the communication we have today, though. So not everybody was locked up. and They understood polio was happening. And they understood that it wouldn't be a good idea if you got it. And uh, they did what they could. And I can remember when they, they, came out, they came out with the vaccine for it. And I know some people are pro-vaccine. I'm just telling you what happened. Context. Uh, it was so prevalent, the vaccine, they put it in sugar cubes. They would drop it in a sugar cube. It's one of those. And uh, on the way home from school, we would stop at the fire department. And the firemen would give you a sugar cube. And I guess they took your name because I know I tried to stop for more than one because they were sugar cubes. And the fire station was right on the way home. So you would stop and say hi to the firemen. And can I have another one of those? I think sometimes they might have given you a sugar cube with nothing in it just to get you out of there. Uh, but because that was the thing to do. But the, the vaccine then revolutionized the idea of polio. It just about wiped it off the face of the earth at that point. Now, are all vaccines good or bad? Now, put in the context I just talked about. I'm not talking about whether all vaccines are good or bad. I'm saying in my life, we've seen different pandemics that have hit us. We've had to respond to them somehow. 
you're in such a unique time period because, again, the communication is so fast. If you want your head to spin, try and figure out what advice they're giving you medically right now. Yesterday, two days ago, the World Health Organization said asymptomatic people do not spread the disease. Last night, they were again clarifying what they meant. Well, maybe they do, but we're not sure, but most likely they don't. Context. Where did the study come from? How did they do it? You can speak that one. You can take from this other doctor from New York who says that's all a bunch of baloney and read their research. In the end, we're going to be people who need to put all of life into context somehow. And uh, while you're here this summer, you know, I'm asking you, be somebody who realizes that if we get a breakout here, it's going to be something that could be out of our control. We have to close again, possibly. We're serious. If you get sick, you get something, you're going to have to go home. You're going to need to get a test to make sure you don't have it if you really think you don't, but you're going to need to. This is not our doing. This is the culture in which we live in right now. We, as you know, are doing everything we can to have you here. We love you here. Uh, you know, Silverbridge Ranch is a nonprofit. So what, what that means simply is nobody owns this place. Nobody. You own it. That's what nonprofits are about. There is no ownership. There's leadership. They're entrusted with it for a while, but nobody owns it. And those people who begin to realize, okay, this is something that God has given us to be a part of, and we can own it. If you were here during the storm last year, some of you that have been around for a while, you went through the storm, now you're going through on this. You know, this is really, believe me, I've been here since 68. These are unique times. Maybe it's becoming more normal, I, I don't know, but, but it is unique in the last 12 months, what, what's happened. And uh, we've had to respond to it. And last year during the storm, those of you that were here, you responded so well. A lot of ownership, let's get this place going. I, I mean, stuff we couldn't do. We, we were all tied up, we couldn't do anything. We got it open. It's still, when you walk around, there's remnants all over the place of the storm damage. But we're open. And then the pandemic, okay, another, who would ever think? First time we ever closed in over 50 years was last year during the storm. Now, second time within 12 months. So we really want you to cooperate, even if you disagree with what's going on in the pandemic, whatever it might be, we, we really want to stay open. We don't want um, local health officials coming to us telling us you need to close. We don't, we don't want to do that. So you need to do your best. Uh, try not to shout into each other's face, uh, those kinds of things. Because even though you might think, well, you know, no one's going to, even though you might have thoughts on it, if somebody does get sick, then somebody from the outside is like, yeah, well, they just disregarded it. They were shouting at each other. They were doing this. They were doing that. Mm. We're going to do our best. And, and all day, and as we go through all the cleaning things, as we go through all the, just pay attention to it and listen to it and uh, realize that even the people that are implementing some of these things really may not necessarily believe in everything they're doing, but give them grace and figure out how you can follow rather than not follow. Because that's what we have to do at this point in order to remain open. What our ministries are gonna look like many years from now, I, I really don't even know. 
because uh, if you haven't noticed, our nation is very unsettled. Uh, not only on the pandemic, but in the, I mean, uh, it, the latest news, if you're not keeping up, is many of the police departments are now having mass resignations because they're upset that there's even talk by legislators of defunding them, so they're just quitting. Now you can imagine what the world's going to get thrown into as law and order start to take a back seat to things. We don't know what's going to happen in the months, years to come. So while you're here, I want to encourage you with the real simple stuff, to put life in context, to, to look into the scriptures and to say, okay, here's things that are simple that I can grasp. These are things that I can do because ultimately God's the one that's going to control things. The scriptures tell us that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and like rivers of water, he moves it wherever he wishes. And that's what's going to happen. God's going to move the heart of the king wherever he wishes. We all know that history had a beginning and it has an end. Where are we? I don't know. And you can listen to pundits talk about whatever they want to. Here's all I know is that there is a beginning, there is an end. We're somewhere in there, somewhere along that, that way, we're, we're there. All of your lives had a beginning, they're going to have an end. That puts things in context. The passage I would love to you, for you to focus on this summer, and just think about many times, hopefully, throughout the summer, is in 1 John. Um, just want you to think about what, what is being said here. I'm going to read some things and just talk about it. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, our hands have touched, or excuse me, I'm quoting from another version, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard and proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. I love that, that last statement. As, as an older guy that's been here for over 50 years, I, that idea of our joy being complete. You being here is part of that for me. Our joy needs to be complete, which means that we get to impart who God is to another generation. That's where the joy comes from, the very opportunity to do that. And I want you to see that opportunity as precious that can be taken away from you. It, it's, it's something that you have to value or it will be taken away. And you have to look for those moments where you can share with another generation I want to look at some of the context of this verse and just talk about it a little bit. Right at the beginning of 1 John, you see the phrase, that which was from the beginning. Really, right now, if you look at our culture, what's happening is there is no acknowledgement of the fact that there is a God who created things, and he created them in a very specific way. So in order for you and I to be successful in life, in order for you to be someone who is enjoying life the, the way it's meant to be. You need to know how it's meant to be. 
And, and we don't have the ability to make that up on our own. That's not what, what is there. What's happening in our country is we're starting to move away from the idea that there's an absolute. And we're moving toward the idea that I'm the absolute. Therefore, what I think, what I feel, must be right. That's pretty dangerous. It's not that you don't have feelings. It's not that you don't have thoughts. It's not that those thoughts and feelings aren't valid. It's that they may not be right. That's a total different context. You know, when God created the earth, if you create anything, don't you have a uh, purpose for it? You create it with something in mind. What, what if it's being used outside of that purpose? Does that make sense? Well, no. Um, I don't know how many times I've used things that shouldn't be a hammer for a hammer. I might suggest that most of those times didn't end well with whatever I was using for a hammer. Uh, a hammer is designed with this very specific purpose and does a really good job of being a hammer. It makes a lousy life jacket or anything else that you want to use it for. And it sounds ridiculous, but in the same respect, when you look at it as that which is from the beginning, our culture, from the time I was a kid, has kept trying to eliminate the fact that God created the world. From school and from textbooks and from, from society. Without that contextual base, we have nothing. We don't have anything. We do have a place where each man does what's right in their own eyes. Because we don't have any other context to put it in. So as you read this passage, as you think about it, you, you begin to realize this is the revelation, the, the scriptures is a revelation from God. It, it starts with in the beginning, and in the, in the end it talks about Jesus coming back in the end. In the, it starts with God, it ends with God. Now anything other than that context, you're going to be messed up. Yeah, there's a lot in there, I know, in between Genesis and Revelation, but, but that's if you look at it, it's all contextual. It's like, okay, then how do I, as a human, contextually, how do I relate to an almighty God? Well, the, you got the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Check that out. Well, how do I relate to one another? You got the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Check that out. And you'll see in that that some people didn't put the context very well. They didn't use it well. In fact, they... they Nebuchadnezzar, he, he struggled. Thought he was God. Throwing people in furnaces, that kind of thing. God had to keep intervening, going, you're not God. I, I just got to keep showing you, you're not God. Eventually, Nebuchadnezzar got it. Said, oh, I guess I'm not God. I guess you are. Got it. See, that's the basic context. You think of all uh, your, your own lives, your families, and the kids that will serve this summer, and how many are coming up here that are just, they've been listening to so much media and world that they they don't even know there's really a God, much less one that created things in a specific way. And they don't have the context. That which was from the beginning, I encourage you to put things in the context of the scriptures, in the context of what God has said for your own good. And uh, it starts there. The next phrase, which Obviously, it's the next phrase. It says, which we have heard. 
when you, if you want context in life, it's not going to happen accidentally. You have to, you have to position yourself to listen and hear. Uh, it's an intentional thing. To hear, really, when you look at this, to hear is really to understand. You, you may not understand everything about God. You may not understand everything about the context. But, but what you have to do is make an effort to understand. If you don't make an effort to understand, you will never understand. I know. You understand? Uh, I still go back to a time at Wheaton College when I had the most boring teacher that ever walked the face of the planet. Um, he wrote the book, Old Testament Speaks, and uh, it was a textbook for his class. And if you listen to his lecture, he's a monotone, about 200 years old. And he basically just said the book word for word in his lectures. And it was a 8 o'clock in the morning class. It was most difficult for me to pay attention. I remember talking to my dad about it. I said, Dad, you know, he said, with all his classes, I said, well, great, I got this Old Testament survey class that, you know, I'm going to just flunk because I, I can't stay awake. And he said, well, who's the teacher? I said, this guy Samuel Schultz or something, or what was his name? Was it Samuel? Is he the, or is he the cartoonist? <laughs> all right. All right. I, sometimes I get names mixed up. Samuel Schultz, and, and he wrote Old Testament, the book, Old Testament Speaks. So it was our textbook, and, and my dad, he paused for a second, he goes, Dave, that man's brilliant. And I thought, please. He goes, you do what you need to, but you need to listen to what he says. <laughs> that wasn't what I wanted to hear, by the way. What I wanted to hear was, poor you, you'll never get anything out of it, so go to sleep during that class. I understand if you flunked out. I, that's what I wanted to hear. Instead, he told me, you make an effort to listen to that man. That's when I started drinking coffee <laughs> with about a ton of sugar in it. But I, I started that because I needed to stay awake. See, you are going to be in a position in life where, where you will have opportunity to hear. But whether you take advantage of that, that's up to you. I mean, you could sit here right now. I'm, I, I know this is possible because... I was guilty of it. It's possible for you to sit in a, like a church service, a, a Bible meet, something like this, and really your mind is elsewhere. And by the end of it, you didn't hear a word that was really said. You're just thinking about what's coming up next and where you're going and how you're going to do it. See, when you do that, you're not working at hearing. You need to work at hearing. Not, not just hear, but if you want to learn anything, you got to work it. Hearing. I know when, when I was a kid, I can remember my mom or dad saying, did you hear me? And I, you know, they caught me. I, I did hear words. But if they asked me to repeat what they just said, I would have a hard time doing it. But I was looking right at them. I don't know where I was. I wasn't there. I was somewhere else. We have that capability. And especially those of you that grew up in the church and around speaking, around... Boy, you could get really good at not hearing. Even in the context of hearing, you get in the not hearing. So I want to encourage you, whatever you need to do, some of you maybe you need to take notes. Some of you need to formulate questions while people speak. Some of you need to start drinking coffee. <laughs> whatever it might be. But you need to make an effort to hear. This isn't something, you know, I, 
it's funny, as I get older, I, I, you're, you keep thinking, what, what do you want to accomplish the next 10 years of your life? You know, really what I want to do is I want to give away everything I've learned. I want to give it away. I've been here over 50 years, and I've been a, a youth leader of some sort for 50 years. I've learned something. All I want to do is give it away. But you know what the flaw in that is? You got to give it away to somebody who wants it. I can go all I want and say, hey, I really know something. You go, that's nice. We're busy. So while you're here, you are, are amongst some of the most experienced staff probably in Christian camping there exists, whether it be Steve or Mike or Rich, like Dan Betts. You are among people. You know, Brad, they, they've been at this a long time. They actually might have something to say if you want to learn. If you don't want to learn, okay, you're not positioning yourself to hear. Am I saying we're right all the time or they're right? I'm not saying that by any means. Everybody is human and, along, and they're in this journey of learning and, and becoming what they should become. But they have learned something. Um, those who are older than you aren't smarter than you, by the way. What they are is more experienced than you. That's the only thing they can offer you is what they've experienced and how they've seen things work or not work. And it's the wise that position themselves to hurt, to hear. So, so that which is from the beginning, first I'm asking you to put life in context. Second, I'm asking you to be people who intentionally listen. And that, that means all the regulations, we have all the stuff. Listen to it. Hear it. Understand it. The next phrase, which we have seen with our eyes. Okay, here's a, another kind of division. It's, it's subtle, but it's there. It's one thing to hear, but then it's another to examine with your eyes. Watch somebody. Uh, for example, um, we all know Rich spent time in the jungle in Colombia. So you might wonder, how does a guy all of a sudden leave his family, do whatever he does, and go to the jungles of Colombia? Well, watch him. And observe his ways. See, use your eyes to observe those people who actually get it and are doing what they should do. Not those who are doing everything they shouldn't do. There, there's all kinds of examples out there for, you're gonna choose who you're gonna observe and emulate. And by the way, you do emulate the people that you listen to and observe. You start acting like them. Um, it's not unusual, actually. Uh, one of my daughters does it extremely well. I've done it well through the years. You're, you're with somebody, and they have an accent, and you have an accent eventually. It, you didn't plan on having an accent, but because of you're watching them, you're interacting with them, you start to sound like them. And that's exactly what happens as you get into the scriptures. You know who's from the beginning. And you begin to be one who actually listens and want to understand. And then you begin to watch people who actually get it and see how they live so that you can learn. Not, not so that you can praise them, by the way. So that you can learn. I mean, you can learn from Cain and Abel. You can learn from both of them. You can learn in the Bible. When, you know, one of the, the greatest things that happened to me when I was about your age was starting to figure, ask the question, why, in the Bible. So I'd go to guys like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you've still heard me teach on it today. And I, and I would why would you do this? Why would you not fake a bow? 
Why, why would you be willing to go in the furnace? Because I said in my heart, I wouldn't be willing to go in the furnace. So why are you willing to go in the furnace? I want to know what you know. See, that's, that's when you start observing lives and saying, why are you doing this? And trying to figure it out. Now, the Bible doesn't give us a line. It just says, this is why I'm doing it. So, so you have to keep looking. Why is Steve doing what he's doing? You know, why is Brad doing what he's doing? Why is Jason doing what he's doing? I don't know. Watch him. Ask him. Challenge him. That's part of it. You know, you, you put life in context with God. You begin to place yourself to be hearers of God's word and what's true. You begin to watch those who are living it out in front of you. And then it goes on and says, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands. This starts to get to where you take it and own it yourself. In other words, the faith that maybe I talk about or the faith that somebody else talks about, you begin to grab it yourself and it's yours. I talked about this ministry, nobody owns it. Make it yours. You can't own it, nobody can. But there's going to be struggles this year. You know, I'll, I'll list a couple for you to think about, because maybe you have contacts that will help. The, the prices of things in our country have just gone nuts. I don't understand how everything is going on out there. And the economy is in tough shape. Uh, eggs, for example, in the kitchen, we used to buy them five bucks. It went up to 25 bucks. That's not a little increase. Meats. Chicken, huge increases. As we're looking at it, we're going, oh, we're opening. Now we're going to go broke trying to feed people. One problem after another leads to, what do you do? Well, all of you are here. You know anyone that's got a bunch of chickens lying around? I remember there was once uh, some farmers that got together and gave us, you know, old Holsteins that weren't what they used to be or something. And grind them all up and make a hamburger. There's... There's people that have solutions out there. The owners start to get their heads together and say, how can we make this happen? You see, the, the, the interesting thing is, is it's easy for you while you're here this summer to say, well, this is these old guys, you know, like Dave and Steve and Rich and Mike and Brad. They're, you know, they're, no, it's our ministry here. It's your ministry. And, and as you go about your day, you realize, I need to make the faith, the knowing Christ and making him known part, I need to make that mine. I need to handle that. That's got to be me. And, and I need to make sure that those people who walk on these grounds, that they're in a position where they can know Christ and make him known. I need to do that. I'm not waiting for Steve to do that. I'm not waiting for, I'm, I need to do that. I need to give the example. I need to be willing to teach. I need to be willing to die to myself. I need to actually get involved in the process. And it's concerning the word of life, putting it in context again. See, there, there's things that give life to people and life more abundantly. Right now in our culture, um, we and you probably know well, but we live in a culture that is really suffering from some tremendous numbers in depression and suicide. They don't have life. They don't see life as what it should be. Life is not a context. Well, 
when you know what's from the beginning and you have actually heard it and put it in context and understood it, and you've watched others who have actually lived a life like they should, and, and you've embraced it yourself, you're going to have life. And the thing that you keep stressing isn't necessarily another agenda, but what you're stressing is the agenda of God in their life. You see, when it gets right down to it, there's not that many things that are absolutely true. So you and I, you know, we could spend our time arguing about a lot of things. Like you might say, well, here's what I think about the economy. You know, it's like, I, fine, get in line. There's a lot of people that have thoughts on the economy. Maybe some of you will get older and straighten it all out. I, I hope that would happen. However, there's a lot of thoughts on it. I'm not sure there's an absolute anywhere right now. I could boil it down to a simple absolute. Don't spend more money than you have. But then after that, I'm not sure how that works. But what you want to do in life is find out those things that are absolute, and there's very few things that are, and you make sure you understand those things, and that's what gives you life, those very few things. When, when we were given commandments in the Old Testament, we were only given 10. We weren't given a tax code. You know, when Jesus was asked, summarize it. Oh, very simple. Love the Lord. Uh, love each other. Any questions, that's it. Okay, now, you go to the scriptures, put it in context. What does that love mean? I mean, that's what you do. But it's really a pretty simple idea, so that's what we want to do. We want to be concerning the word of life, the things that give life to people, not the things that suck life out of people. And the context of God, the context of his word, the context of his love gives life to people. So we want to focus on those things. See, we need to be those who recognize life in context, who share, study, and have prolonged time with God. Don't cheat your time with God this summer because you're busy. Don't do it. You need to enjoy God so that you can enjoy each other properly. That's the way that works. You need to interact with it. Uh, one of the things that I would love for you to do practically is when you read the scriptures and you're convicted about something, don't let it go. In other words, figure out how can I implement this? How can I change my life and do something to implement this? You might be saying, boy, I need to uh, be more generous. Maybe, maybe you read, you know, you're reading something. I'm, I'm really quite about myself with all my resources. Okay, what are you going to do then? How, how are you going to work on that? One of the first ways, again, would be to interact with other people and, and find someone you trust that maybe is older than you or that's in a, in a group where you can trust and say, you know what, here's what I think. I think I'm a greedy person and I need to get more generous and talk to them about it. See, that's kind of confessing to one another what you're working on. That, that's how that works. And, and the person won't necessarily condemn you because they'll understand this is a journey we're all on and you just realize something about yourself that you've got to do differently. So all of a sudden, you're in a position where you can actually do something about it. And really, if you're not changing, you're not growing. You can't grow and stay the same. So if you're trying to stay the same, you're trying not to grow. Now, the funny part is, I don't know what needs to change and what that means to you. Because we're all different and God's working on us in different ways. But you need to be willing to say, okay, God, whatever you need to point out to me, please point it out. And then I want to have a plan to change 
a plan that comes from your Holy Spirit guiding me and talking to those who I trust and get to where I belong. That'll never change, by the way, till you know, I'm still doing that and you should still be doing that all your life because you never quite arrive. And I ask you throughout the whole time is to go back to the beginning. Just go back to the beginning. Go back to the fact that in the beginning, God, not in the beginning, Dave, or put your name in there. And I don't know how many days I start off with that discussion with God where I just say, okay, God, you're God, I'm Dave, got that straight. That puts the whole world in context in that moment. So then I come to God and I'm able to talk to him in his rightful place as God. Um, I don't understand everything. I have not understood everything that's going on with this pandemic. And I would be the last person to say that I get it all because I get part, hardly any of it. I do know that we have to respond to it, and we are. I do know there's kids that will be coming this summer that really have been being shaped by fear, anxiety. They've been kept in homes that it's not bad necessarily being at home, but away from other people. The opportunity this summer could be absolutely enormous to really share the love of God because people could be very ripe for it. And as the unsteadiness in the world continues, they can be even riper because they're not going to find any hope apart from God. There isn't any. So eventually they got to say, I'm out of control. The world's out of control. So God, you're in control. Exactly. So let's come to him. Let's do what we know we should do. We're not responsible for changing Congress today. What we are responsible for is loving God, loving those around us, and, and being those who participate in the work of God on these grounds this summer of 2020. And I'm hoping that uh, throughout the summer we can continue to not only draw near to God, but continue to expand our numbers and continue to see God work in lives and continue to be a safe place for people. And uh, God has all of you here for a reason. So you're going to participate in that one way or another. I'm asking you to be a willing and positive participant. And you can do that. And at the end of the summer, be able to look back and say, thanks, God. It was great being a part of what you did. Uh, he doesn't need you to do it, by the way. That's what makes it special. He wants you to participate because he wants you in on the good stuff. And that's up to God to do. So that's my wish for you this summer. Um, take this passage. You can memorize it if you want. It's just four verses. But think about your responsibilities to be one who does things so that you grow and you help others grow. And by the end of the summer, make sure that somehow your, your mind is in the context of what life really is about. And that context is there is a God, you're not him. He made it a certain way. Uh, you may have feelings and emotions, I understand that. But there's still a right and a wrong and that comes from God. And let's figure out what it is and align our lives with it and help others get there too. That's the greatest way we can help the depressed, the angry generation is by getting them back into the context of the love of God, somehow. Let's pray. Father, again, thank you that we could spend these moments together. Thank you for your word, the simplicity of it, the power of it. I pray that 
You will protect this group that's in this room, that you will use them this summer in a very significant way to share your love, your purposes with everybody who comes on these grounds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.